They have yet, they have yet to be stumped by anything that I have asked them to do. And if you're sitting there going, what on earth is the Phil Collins song doing in the sermon in church on Sunday? Welcome to the vineyard. Okay, we will take and do whatever it takes as long as we stay on this side of sin to make something click and connect in your head and in your heart. Seeing her plugged in front of this cross saying, we can feel it coming. We have been waiting for this moment all of our lives. Everything that you have done in your humanity, in your being, has brought you here to this moment, in this place, on this day. And according to Psalm 139, it was an act of God. You are not here accidentally. You are not here because you woke up early. You are here, according to Psalm 139, because every day ordained for you was written down in His book before even one of them came to pass. I don't know if you recognize where that song was from, and believe it or not, you probably don't even know what that song is about. You're like, yeah, I know what it's about. It's about driving around in a black Ferrari, and they got shotguns, and they're going someplace. No, 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 actually it's not. Okay, this song is about somebody going through a divorce, believe it or not. Um, check me on that, please. But that's exactly what that song, it just happened to play well. In a series called Miami Vice back in the 80s, uh, which I was severely addicted to, and the Lord has set me free from it. Okay, <laughs> hi, I'm Joe. I used to watch Miami Vice. I just want to tell you. I mean, it was the cars. I loved the iconic Ferrari that was there. This was not the first one in the first show. The first one in the first show was a black um, uh, I can't remember what the name of it was, I know, but the truth of the matter is it actually wasn't a Ferrari at all. The black one was not a Ferrari. It was a Ferrari pretend body on a 69 Corvette frame. Okay, And Ferrari came against the show and said, you will destroy that car. There were actually two of them. And they said, you will destroy that car or we will sue the living daylights out of you. By the way, here's a couple of brand new Testarossas for you guys to use in your show. I would have destroyed the car in a heartbeat right there on the spot. Not a problem for me. Instead, they waited until Sonny Crockett could pull out a handheld rocket launcher and he fired it at that black Ferrari and blew it up and I cried for a little bit in the first episode. Okay, I believe it was the first episode. And then they started driving that white one, and it was there. And I'm just telling you, it was a show, and, and I loved the opening scene, and there was flamingos, and there was high lie, and, and it was just like, go, go, like that. And it was just, and, and you know, it's like there was girls and two guys that were cops in a relationship, and they liked each other, and they were trying to save the world. It had everything. It had bombs and things blowing up, and everything a kid my age back then could really want, it had, and it, it was great. And I loved it. But when I say vice, when I, when I start talking about vice, what, what does that mean to you when, when we say vice? Because this show was all about vice, okay? And, and the bottom line is when, when we look at that and we say vice, our humanity is drawn to vice. Our humanity likes to sin. Sin is fun, okay? I heard a pastor say that one time. Sin is fun unless you reap the consequences of your sin immediately, if you could reap the consequences, or if you did reap the consequences of your sin immediately, people would stop sinning. <laughs> In a hurry, they would stop sinning. They'd be, I'm done with that. We're not going to do that. It looked fun for a second, but it's not. And we're going to do a series here that is all about what is vice and what are the vices 
in our life. We've got freedom in Christ. We have got freedom in Christ. But what does that mean? And man, I've been wrestling with this for the last couple of weeks, um, maybe a month, and just, just every day looking at a specific scripture and trying to understand if I've been set free, what have I been set free from? And what have I been set free for? And what am I doing about it? And so I look up the word vice, and the, def, the, the dictionary definition of the word vice looks like this. It's an immoral or evil habit. Underline that in your head. A habit. An ongoing, won't quit, won't give it up, won't stop habit that's going on in your life. It is immoral conduct, depraved or degrading behavior as in a life of vice. Okay? And, I mean, it's there. That's what it means. Uh, law enforcement is sexual immorality, specifically prostitution. They got a vice squad, and it does all these things. Okay? This sermon series that we're going to do called Vice, Navigating Our Freedoms in Christ, is probably going to be one that would be good for you to finish out, and then if you want to say, oh, it's not the church for me, that's okay. But let's just finish it out, because God brought you here on purpose. So therefore, He wants to say something to you, because God wants you, and don't throw rocks at me for this, but He wants you to have the best life ever. He does. He wants you to have your best life. Can I steal that phrase for just a split second, okay? He really does want you to have a life that you never dreamed of. The problem is people settle for less than God is offering because they can have what they want right now. But if they suffered the consequences of their sin, what they want right now, they would stop that. They would start thinking maybe a little further down the road. And I want you to have the life that God wants for you. We began this year with the concept of hashtag deeper 2018. This series is going to be about going deeper. This series is about being getting in the Word, seeing what the Word says about what the Word says, and then applying it to our lives. So today we are going to, again, begin digging so that we can go deep. And we're going to look at this concept, okay? Now, when I think of, ha of the word vice, I think of habits, compulsions, addictions, Okay, I think of lifestyle choices that depict a horrible brokenness, lifestyles that put people in bondage, and yet Jesus says we have been set free. And I believe that. But I also believe that sometimes we don't want to be set free. We can say, yes, the Lord has set me free, but then we're like, but I don't want to stop doing it whatever it might be. I don't want to stop because it's easier to say, well, there's grace, there's grace, there's grace. It's easier for us to do that. See? And Christ said to come, and He came to set us free. Then the point is, how do we live in the freedom of Christ in this world and not look like necessarily this world? And so we want to press into that. I see people all over the place that are still struggling in bondage because they want to show up for the Sunday morning show, but they don't want to get involved in a relationship with God. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Listen, I don't want you to come to the show. I'm not interested in putting on a show. I am interested in building a community of believers that want to go out into this community and change central Kentucky for the kingdom of God. That's what I want to do. And it starts by getting outside of ourselves. It starts by letting go of all our preconceived notions and what we think God has to do in order to bring healing into my life. When I think about vice, I think about the vices in my own life, the vices in your life. And I'm not talking about like drugs and alcoholism. We're going to talk about that. But I'm talking about people who are addicted to gossip. What about that? You ever think about that? 
What about people who are addicted to pain? You're like, Pastor Joe, nobody's addicted to pain. Oh, come on. What about people that are addicted to stress? They love stress. Said nobody ever, right? I love that stress is eating a hole in my stomach. This is great. Uh, no, but in, we still do it. We still put ourselves in places of fear because we will not get outside of the only thing that we think God can do to save me. And so instead of trying something different, we keep doing the same thing faster or more. And we think that somehow it's going to change the, the outcome. It won't. It won't. We have been challenged and called by God to live in the freedom of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And too often we settle for shackles. But thank God that Christ Jesus came to set us free. I believe that. I believe that Christ Jesus came to set you free. You know that when babies are born, they're not born innocent. They're not born free. They're not born without sin because inside of every single one of us is that nature to sin. We have this sin nature. It's in us. And we have to deal with it as we grow up. We have to deal with it as we, as we become aware of it. And we have to struggle. At one point, we have to leave what I call base sins, stealing, killing, shooting, things like that. And we have to get involved in um, attitudes of the heart and racism and, 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 and things like that. And we've got to come to terms with the sin of that. Sometimes we have to get away from the sin of things that we do. And then we have to begin to be aware of the, the sin that is the sin of omission, the things that we're supposed to do that we don't do. See, there's the sin of stealing from somebody, but what about the sin of seeing somebody in need and not giving something to them? See, there's two, two types of sin mentioned in the Bible. Omission and commission. Sins we ignore and sins, sins we commit. But in John 8, chapter 8, verses 34 to 36, look what Jesus said. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave has no permanent place in the family. Do you see that? A slave is not a part of the, of, of the family of God. So, so people that pretend to be saved, people that, that come to church, um, people that do not have a transformation that takes place in their lives, these are people that are just going through the motions. They're showing up for the show. But they're not becoming the church. They are not becoming the family. And a slave has no part in the family. That's what Jesus is saying when he said to me that there will be people in that day that come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? And he's going to say, get away from me. I don't know. I don't know who you are. You're not part of the family. See, they weren't in a relationship with Jesus. They were showing up for the Jesus show on Sunday. And that's not what God's called us to. He's called us to be because look at this. A slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to the family forever. God wants us to be son, no gender intended there, sons and daughters of God in heaven. He's trying to bring us back into the family. He's setting us free from the things that we are indebted to. And so we want to look at that. But look at this. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so it brings me to my question, free from what? What are you set free from? Well, believe it or not, initially, you are set free from 613 commandments in the Old Testament. 
613 commandments. What are you talking about? You ever, is it, has it ever crossed your mind when you, you're out driving around? You see the Baptists, they're having a revival. You see the Pentecostal church over here having a big revival. You see, but you never see the Jewish synagogue having a revival? Ever crossed your mind? Man, I never see a tent set up there. They never say, Rabbi so-and-so is running revivals at the Jewish synagogue. They don't do that. You know why? Because even the Jews recognize that you don't want to have to live under 613 commandments. Because you're Gentiles, you live under the Noahic Covenant. You're like, Noahic Covenant? What are you talking I told you we were going deeper. You're going to have to dig. Okay? There are commandments that belong to you as a Gentile in the Old Testament when God saved the, word, the world through Noah and his family. And when they came out and he gave them just a couple of covenants, a couple of, uh, of, uh, of law, just a couple of them. And that's referred to as the Noahic covenant, which Gentiles back then were subject to. And Jews will tell you, why on earth would I want to revive you? Why would I want to bring you into um, the synagogue and subject you to 613 commandments that we can't keep when all you Gentiles, you have it easy. All you have to do is these couple of Noahic covenant laws over here. You've got it easy. Why would I want... See, so they don't, they don't, uh, they don't uh, have revivals like you and I do. They, they, they don't try to bring you into what they're doing. Because here's the deal. Um, you break one of those laws, according to James, if you break even one of them, if you can't keep even one of them, you are guilty of 613 broken laws. So every time you lie, according to James, because it's one law, it is not a whole bunch of laws. It's one entity, if you will, and you're beholden to it in order to be right before God. If you break one of the laws that says don't lie, you're guilty of murder. If you break the one that says don't steal, you're guilty of adultery because it's all one package. That's why James says that. See? And you're like, how can this be? What is the deal? That it's there to teach us that we're sinners. There are so many laws. Paul will say that in the King James, it's a taskmaster to make us accountable to our need for God. We aren't supposed to break those laws if we're good Jews. Look what Paul told the church in Colossae. Now look at here. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. So we know just right there in that passage that he's talking to Gentile believers. These are not Jewish people because their, their flesh was not circumcised. See? Jewish people are circumcised. These talking to people that are not circumcised. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. All of our sins having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the powers and the authorities. He's speaking of the whole Jewish traditional system and the Pharisees that were standing right there at the foot of the cross. And he made a public spectacle of them by triumphing over them on the cross. And so you, you've got this picture, and it says that Jesus freed you from all of your sin. What sin has Jesus, his death on the cross and his blood, what sin has he freed you from? 
Because a lot of times we can believe that Jesus has freed us from a lot of sins, but for some reason I meet people and there's always that one sin that they cling to. Not that they cling to so that they can continue to perpetuate a lifestyle in it, but they just can't believe that God can forgive them for this one thing and they live their whole lives trying to hide this one sin from anybody that might see it because God surely didn't free them from that. They just can't believe it. They can't wrap their head around it. They cannot, basically what it comes down to is they cannot forgive themselves. And so they live a whole life of shame. And Jesus came to set you free from that shame. And he came to give you a life you never dreamed of. He said, I want, God said, I want to be your father. What kind of father would God be if you could not approach him with whatever your problem is and say, Dad, I need to talk to you. What is that? But I see this freedom and I say, wow, what are we set free from? Christ came to set us free. What are we free from? In the early, mid-20th century, churches went on a big rant and um, you know, we've been set free from 613 commandments except the ones that I really like. We're not going to set anybody free from those ones. You know what I'm talking about? Churches that pick out all the sins that they want from the law and bring them forward and say, well, Jesus set us free from everything except this one. Want me to give you an example? Women's roles in society. <laughs> Ladies, be quiet. We don't want to hear your voice in church. Don't talk. Don't prophesy. Don't do anything. We're going to bring that one forward, okay? Let's bring that forward. You sit over there, the men will sit over here. It will be good. Cook for us, clean for us, make babies for us, but be quiet. Okay, we'll tell you what to believe. It's, it's Old Testament tradition. And I'm not trying to mock God. God put it there so that we would come to understand that we are sinners. And I believe that, that men kind of perverted it just a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like, have you seen that uh, the, the Steve Martin movie, his daughter's getting married, and you know the, the guy from the other religion comes in to buy his house, I think it's the second one, and his wife says something, and he says, Kalikima! And she like, mm, zip, hushes up. I mean, I tried that at my house. <laughs> Not so much doesn't work okay it's on tv it doesn't work but we've got this idea and some of you say yeah but it says in timothy women have to be quiet it says in the first corinthians women can prophesy if they've got a covering on their head oh and by the way it's it's a see pastor joe that's why women are never supposed to cut their hair because because a woman's long hair is given to her as a covering i get that but here's the deal is this long hair is this long hair is this long hair what are we going to decide is long hair because if i let it grow down to here some of you are going to come out here and say man you're letting your hair go long aren't you listen if it's good for the goose it's good for the gander you don't get it both ways. You don't get to be the one that determines for everybody what long hair is. You don't get to. But it says a woman doesn't have to be quiet, so now you have a problem, right? But we bring forward the verses that we like. What's your favorite law verse that you like to bring forward? You say, well, yeah, but this one does apply. So I'm bringing it from the 613. Now there's only 612 because I'm going to park it in the New Testament. Jesus set us free from all of the sin, but not that one. We're not going to let people be set free from that one, right? Can we do that? Tattoos. 
Is that a good one? Oh, well, <clears throat> you just uh, scratched my itch. We're going to have a talk about that now, Pastor Joe. Really? You want to you complain about the tattoo one? The Bible says in Leviticus 19.28, do not tattoo, do not, excuse me, do not put tattoo marks on your body, or here it comes, are you ready? Or cut yourself. See, there you go. Could you please finish that sentence for me? I'm so tired of people stopping at that point because what they're doing is they're twisting the scripture to get it to say what they want. Do not put tattoo marks on your body or cut yourself for the dead. That's what it says. If you're not willing to read the whole Bible, there's the door. Come on, man. I want Jesus. That's what I want. You don't have to get a tattoo. But it says that you're doing it as a form of pagan worship in order so that you can protect or care for your loved ones or so that demons, you'll have so many marks that they won't find you. That literally is what they wore. This is a bigger deal for me. How come you ignore the verse right before it? The one that says, don't shave your face. Look at all these shaved faces in here. You look good. You know? Got your little, you know, Burma shave going on today, and you all look good. Leviticus 19.27 says, don't shave your face. So you want to beat everybody to death with a club of tattoos, but you want to ignore the verse right before. See what you're doing? You're picking and choosing. See? You don't get to do that. Either Jesus set me free from all the law, or he didn't set me free from any of the law. Now, he didn't set me free so that I can just sin and sin and sin so that grace may abound, Paul says. But I certainly recognize that I've been set free. What about music? How about, you know, we don't allow that kind of beat in church. Remember the 50s? No. Remember your parents or your grandparents talking about the 50s? You know, in church? You, you, don't, you don't remember a guy named Elvis Presley came out and he was, you know, like, whoa. And people are like, that's the devil right there in his leg. That is the devil in his leg. Yeah, they, they said that. And then he started playing rock and roll music, and oh, that was the devil in the music. You know why? Because those drum beats, those, those syncopated beats, those were the same ones that people played in Africa when they worshipped pagan demons. So therefore, it must be the devil. That must be. Come on, man. Either you've been set free or you haven't no i'm not buying that what about uh smoking that's a big one right oh no you're gonna go to hell if you smoke no no you'll just smell like it no no you'll just no i mean i've heard it all in churches it's like come on what about drinking what about dating what about oh yeah here. this was a great one in the 70s and 80s what about hymns versus praise music oh you guys speak your church sings off the wall we don't we still use jesus's hymn book yeah, it was compiled in 1958. <laughs> that means he died 1958 years before that, or 1925 years before that. It's not his hymn book. <laughs> the scripture literally says in the New Testament, sing, excuse me, in the, Old, in the Psalms, sing to the Lord um, hymns and songs of praise. Both of them, not either or. That's a preference is all you're doing. What about long hair versus short hair? What about working moms worth versus stay-at-home moms? What about Sunday Sabbath instead of the real Sabbath? You didn't want me to say real Sabbath? <laughs> yeah, if we could just go back to the Sabbath where everybody took Sunday off. Sunday has never, 
ever, ever been the Sabbath in the Bible. Ever. It's Friday at 6 o'clock till Saturday at 6 o'clock. There is no place in the Word of God that God ever gave man permission to change it to Sunday morning starting at 8 o'clock when all the staff comes in. Never! Well, I'll tell you what, my grandma said, I love you, but I don't care what your grandma said. You are sinning if you're going to claim the Old Testament, the laws. You are sinning if you think the Sabbath is Sunday. You are sinning against the Word of God. Because it is Friday at 6 till Saturday at 6, 24 hours. That's the Sabbath. But we bring that one forward and we paint it white and we say, there, now it's Sunday. And we never had permission to do it. See, we pick and choose and we don't realize we've been set free. Paul told the church in Rome, Rome, you've been set free from days and special days and, and special celebrations. You're set free from that. Unless your conscience can't handle your freedom, then you might as well go ahead and just keep doing it. But sooner or later, understand you've been set free. Then they turned around and ignore the ones they disagree with. They eat ham. They eat ham. Do you eat ham? You're going to go to hell now. Because the Old Testament says if you eat ham, you will go to hell. You're unclean. And, and, and you can't go to heaven if you're unclean. It says that. I'm not lying to you. It says if you eat pigs, you will go. Bacon. No. No bacon for you. No soup for you. No. No bacon. The Bible says in the Old Testament, 613 laws, Leviticus, no bacon. No. You don't get any. Oh, well, yeah, but Jesus set me free from that. Oh, but not tattoos? You see what I'm doing? I'm sticking it right in your face. We're going deeper. You're going to have to deal with this whether you like it or not. Because what I care about is that you know what the Scripture says. What I care about is that Jesus lives inside. I'm not saying you have to go out and get a tattoo. Okay? I'm just showing you that we are a humanity of people that want to control other people so bad that we will reach back into 613 commandments and we will find some to use on people when we ourselves will not obey the ones that are in front of our face. That's not permission to sin, and it's not permission to not follow Jesus. We've been called to follow Jesus. It's permission to love people around you that are struggling with their humanity instead of throwing rocks at them. What about that? Don't trim the hair on the side of your head, it says in Leviticus 19.27. Don't wear blended. You wearing a blended shirt today? Is your shirt made out of two different materials today? You're going to hell. 613 commandments, do not wear clothes made of two different materials, blended materials. Don't do that. Either wear cotton or wear wool, but don't wear a wool-cotton blend. Not getting in. Sorry. What about, uh, well, we talked about the Sabbath. That list goes on and on and on. What I want you to know is Jesus saved you from all of it. So what are we free from? We're free from the need to earn our way into heaven. Thank God that Jesus came to set us free. We're free from needing to earn God's favor. You don't have to earn His favor. He loves you. You don't have to earn it anymore. You're not going to get a special seat in heaven because He loves you more than He loves me. That's not going to happen. He loves you so much that His Son died for you and He wants you to be where He is. You don't have to earn it. You do have to allow Him to transform your life. You cannot come and wallow in your sin and continue to live a lifestyle of sin and say, yeah, but I'm saved. Because I read that scripture to you. That scripture says those people are faking it. Stop faking it. Don't do that. But listen to me. Stop trying to win God's favor. You don't have to. Just thank Him for being dad. 
See, obedience out of love is totally different than trying to do something because you're trying to win your salvation. Let me just give you an example here. I'm not trying to beat anybody in this room up. I'm just telling it like it is straight out of the Scripture. Divorce is a sin except for infidelity and abandonment. Divorce is a sin. And the Scripture says in the book of Malachi, God hates divorce. Wherever you are in that scenario, just start and move forward, okay? Repent, tell God you're sorry, and move forward. But listen, I met people all the time. Some of you may be in here. You are living in the most horrible marriage of all. You, behind closed doors, you're not connecting, you're not in love with each other, you're fighting, you're staying together for the game. That does not bring God any glory at all. I believe that that is just as big a sin as divorcing. I honestly do. Staying together is not the goal. Having a vital, life-giving relationship is the goal because that's what God wants from me, and marriage is, is a reflection of this. Paul, I mean, Paul said so when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5, in the beginning of 6, he says that our relationships, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, husbands to the church, Jesus is the head of the church, da, 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 da. But he said your relationship this way is a reflection of God's relationship this way. So if I'm living in a relationship that's mean and nasty and ugly, what does it say about this? Jesus even went so far in the book of Matthew to say, look, if, if any of you is offering your, your uh, offering at church, and, and you realize there that somebody is mad at you and you're out of sorts with them, I mean, in a big way, if you're really just, you know, going at it, he goes, just leave that gift there and go, go make up. At least apologize. That's how much relationships mean to Jesus. And that's what he calls you to. We're free from rules that don't change your heart. Because God wants a heart changed. First Samuel says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance is like the evil of idolatry. God does not want us to go through the motions. He wants our will and our heart transformed. I do things because I love God. I don't do things to get love from God. Because Jesus has changed my life, I'm willing to give it all up and follow after him. I don't give it all up and follow after him in order to get him to save me. He's already done that. I don't have to try to earn that any longer. So I thank God that Christ came to set us free. But what does the Bible say about our freedoms in Christ? Christianity is not a religion of prescriptions. Look at that but a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus does not want you to just check these things off. He doesn't want you to go to church, have your quiet time, do this. He wants you to be quiet and be in his presence and love him as much as he loves you. He wants to have a relationship where you're saying, God, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to? Where do we want to go? He wants that kind of a thing. See, we have to understand that just because I can, just because I've got freedoms, just because I can doesn't mean that I should. It does not mean that I should. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it says, I have, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything, Paul says, is beneficial. You say, I have the right to do anything, and Paul says, but everything is not constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many that... Um, so that they may be saved. So the fact that, it's, uh, that I can doesn't mean I should. 
The second thing is I've not been set free to go back into bondage. Do you realize that? I watch person after person after person, and man, they're set free in a church service, but man, the, the week starts out, and they're right back in it. And it's not always like murdering people and adultery and things like that. Sometimes it's just lying and cheating. Sometimes it's slandering. Sometimes it's screaming and hollering. Sometimes it's fighting with your spouse. Sometimes it's not serving. A, we, I just see it. And it's like, don't show up for the show. Enter into a relationship with Jesus. Don't show up for the show. Enter the relationship. Because look at this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to the whole law. Now, how do we apply that from Jewish people to the church? If you're going to name the name of Jesus and continue to live in a lifestyle of sin, then you have made sure that Jesus means nothing to you. That's what Paul's saying. Okay? But when we let Christ transform our lives, amazing things happen. And the last thing here is, you have been set free to serve one another. We have been set free from the vices that are in our lives so that we can love on one another, that we can serve one another. Listen, we can stop throwing rocks at the mom that is struggling with her child and she's at that place where she's just going to raise her hand and smack that child, but she won't do it because somebody in, that, in the room has a cell phone and they're going to take a picture of it, okay? But come on, let's just be honest. How many times have those of you that have raised children to adulthood have said, listen, if you don't knock it off, I'm going to kill you. Now, I've never used that phrase, but you know what I'm talking about. Can you imagine if somebody immediately called DHS? Instead of throwing rocks at that mom, how about if you walk up and say, hey, you're being a good mom, and you're under a lot of pressure right now. How can I help you? You don't know. Maybe she's a single mom. Maybe her husband just left her for somebody younger and thinner. And she feels like she's been tossed out like yesterday's trash. She's got the children. She doesn't have the income that they had anymore. She doesn't know how she's going to make ends meet. She is at the end of herself, and you just saw her in that moment. What about you've been set free so that you can go love her? What about that? What about if we started trying to find out who we could serve? I'm not saying don't call people to account for what they're doing. I'm not saying, hey, that might not be the words that inspires your child to move forward. But I am saying, what if we start coming alongside of people instead? What if we look for ways to introduce them to Jesus? You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Don't just be like, Jesus, I'm set free. Gimme, 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 gimme. Look around you. There are people in need. And if they're willing to sell out and do whatever it takes to save themselves, then so am I. So am I. Rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law was fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Last night I got called out to go to the hospital because some friends of mine were working on their truck. And I know you're in the room and I'm not going to look at you, so I'm just going to tell your story whether you like it or not. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was 
it was an A, I mean, excuse me, it was a typical, are you, are you guys silly, what's going on? They're pulling the motor out of a truck. Thought they had it all secure and everything, and, and there was no laughing until I got to the hospital and saw that they were okay. And then it was like, come on, you guys knew better than this, and they were laughing about it. And it's like, so they pulled the, the, they're pulling the motor out of, the, out of this truck, and they want to do this, and when they dropped the, transmi- uh, the, the, excuse me, the drive shaft, the truck shifted, rolled down off the ramps, landed on the one guy's knee, and when it did, it pinned the other guy against the tractor behind him. I said, what was the tractor for? It was the jack. <laughs> Welcome to Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, I say that lightheartedly, but come on. Come on. And then they had to struggle because the, the, the people did not, the squad did not get there for 17 minutes. And they're under this. And as much as one person has got this truck sitting on his knee, his knee is all cut up, cut up he's bleeding. And all of the rust from however old this vehicle is is in that cut. And every time he tries to move and, or push the truck a little bit, it wedges the other guy's knee tighter. And every time the other guy tries to move the truck, it, wedges, it hurts this guy's knee. And they just, the, the, the one young man told me, he said, I just had to finally just say, just sit still. For, for almost 20 minutes, they both had to just sit still, endure the pain. Call went out to the EMS, two guys trapped under a truck. So like every EMS person that was available showed up on the scene to help take care of them. Get the truck off, and then they're, they're in the hospital. That's not what I wanted to talk to you about, though. That's another story. <laughs> they're okay. One of them's in church today. While I was at the hospital, because I got to go pray for them, it's about choices that we make, right? It's about choices. While I was at the hospital, getting ready to leave, we, my wife and I prayed for, the, for um, um, the guy's wife. We're getting ready to walk out the door. In comes this Asian fellow with his dad. And his dad, broken English. Son, 20 years old, about that tall. Good looking kid with his foot all bandaged up. And I just heard the Lord say, I want you to serve them. I want you to pray for them. And I said, okay. And I went over to the dad and I said, what happened? He said, knife and foot. I was like, oh, wow. So I went over to the kid, spoke perfectly English. And I said, what happened? He goes, knife in my foot. Dropped the knife, went through my foot. I said, drop the knife, went through your foot. I said, ow. I said, what, working in the kitchen doing stuff? He said, no. I was playing a game. I knew what the game was. It's called mumbly peg. You throw the knife at your foot. It's the dumbest game ever. Who creates a game where you throw a weapon at yourself? Well, sure enough, the, he lost. It went through his foot, right in the middle. He said, man, it was bleeding. I reached down and pulled it out. Ow! God said, pray for him. And I said, okay, I said, can I pray for you? He looked me right square in the eye and he said, yes, please. I said, let's just sit down right here, get you off your foot. And I prayed for him. And when I got done, he said, thank you very much. Because I've been set free from my need to judge him. It's funny now that we you know, talk about it later. It's never funny when you're pulling the knife out, okay? I've not been set free to judge him and throw rocks at him. I've been set free to love him. That doesn't mean we don't make judgments. We're called to make judgments. Help people that want help. That kid wanted help. 
So I got to pray for you. So as we gather together this morning and we talk about being set free from the vices of our lives, listen to Jesus in John 10.10. I have come that you may have life and have it to its fullest abundantly. Is that what you're expecting from heaven right now? Are you living an abundant life? Are you living your best life now? Sorry to grab that. Are you living your best life now? Because Jesus said that's what He came for. That's what He came for. To set you free so that you could be living a life you never dreamed of. And He loves you so much, He's not throwing rocks at you. He's trying to set you free to serve other people. So you can love other people. So that you don't have to be in fights. You don't have to uh, go at it. You don't have to have a nasty relationship. You don't have to have a horrible marriage. You don't have to be ugly to your kids. You don't have to be ugly at work. You can be the positive influence because Jesus saved you. And set you free from the need to defend yourself and be ugly and mean back to people. Big takeaway. Paul says that we're free, but we use our freedom too often to legitimize our, our sin, our life, our vice. What's the vice that's weighing you down that you're like, God, I need this gone. And, and, and you think that God's just, you're just waiting until God poof, makes it go away. Probably not going to happen. God's waiting for you to take a hold of the power of the Holy Spirit and force it. Paul said, I beat my body to make it subject to my will. And it's time for that to be in your spirit as well. We're going deeper. We're going to look at our vices. Next week we're going to talk about alcohol. The freedom and the fact that if we're free, does that mean we should? Or, or we should? Let's talk about it. What does the Bible say about it? Let's go there. But at the end of the day, what's dragging you down? When you walk into church today, what's choking you? You mad at somebody? You bitter at somebody? It's not always big stuff, man. Have you not done what you're supposed to do? Or have you done what you're not supposed to do? Are you living in that lifestyle and you refuse to see any other way out except yours because you're so smart? You put yourself there. You're not that smart. You're not doing it God's way. He wants to give you a life you never dreamed of. It may mean leaving friends. Biblically speaking, it may mean leaving family. It may mean going into missions. But it is something that you never dreamed of. And God has a life in store for you that you can't imagine. Let's come up to our feet. These people are up here to pray for you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's happening in your life right now. But it's time to leave it right here. It's time to say, God, you are speaking to me. I know you are talking to me. I need to take a step out of something that maybe isn't even sin, but Lord, it's not good for me. Help me, Lord. I want to take a hold of the power of the kingdom of God, and I want to push back the kingdom of darkness that's using the things of this world to trap my soul in this world. God, I need you. And if that's your prayer, that's your want, these people are right here for you. You just come on up here. I'm going to step down. We're going to sing this song. But they want to pray for you because they believe in this life of freedom.